He will wipe our eyes dry and take us up to His side and forever we will be His singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God singing blessing and honor and glory and power forever to our God singing Glory, honor, power to our God. A lot in that statement. Thank you for being here today. We welcome you. If you're a guest today, we take a moment to extend to you a very special welcome to Church on the Hill. Glad you could be here to worship today. Those that have joined us with Facebook Live, KTHS Radio, we welcome you today. As we worship together. Be sure, ladies, tonight, put some goodies together and uh, make your way to the ladies' Bible study. Sign up still back there this morning if you haven't signed up yet so they can be sure they get set up properly and, and uh, come and enjoy this night. Some help with setup after service today. The ladies would appreciate. You can help with that. Your bulletin has many other items that will help you and what's going on. Well, today I want to share with you on one of the most disgusting subjects you can ever imagine. But I hope to do it in a way that we can all understand that we all face discouragement and opposition on our journey through life. At some time or another. Now maybe you have never faced it. Would you lie about anything? Maybe you've never felt opposed in any way. But I can assure you. If you've lived very long for the Lord. You're going to know the meaning of discouragement and opposition. The important thing is, do we know how to handle it? How do we face it? Well, today's message is one that I hope that will help guide us in defeating discouragement and overcoming opposition. To finish what God has called us to do and what he's called us to be. 
If we go back for just a moment to refresh on our journey of what we've talked about, Nehemiah, a Jew, Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, if you want to turn there, that's where we are in on our journey today. Serving as cupbearer for the king, he'd taste the wine before the king drank it to be sure it wasn't poison. If it was poison, he'd be the first to die. Really all out great job. One day, Nehemiah, in his comfortable setting, had a visit from his brother who told him that the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah's homeland, were broken down, the gates were burned. And the scripture says that Nehemiah's heart was broken. And he thought, a thought that a lot of times we find ourselves thinking on our journey through life, somebody needs to do something. Ever felt that way? You see a problem, you see an obstacle, you see a difficulty, and say, you know, somebody ought to do something about that. A few weeks ago, I <clears throat> saw a post that talked about trash alongside the road. And my road was mentioned, the one I live on. And I thought, yeah, that's true. And they'd kind of some folks helped themselves to just, I don't know if it fell off of a truck or what, but it's pretty dirty. Looked bad. Someone needed to do something. <laughs> well, I did it this week. <laughs> Sacked it up. Looks better. Not perfect. But we all go through those times where we find somebody needs to do something. Well, the Lord spoke to Nehemiah and said, basically, it's going to be you. But you just love it when God does that. <laughs> somebody needs to do something. And all of a sudden, we figure out who somebody is. So Nehemiah, without hesitation, he began to pray, and he went to the king for permission. He said, I need to rebuild the walls. Nehemiah traveled roughly 1,000 miles back to Jerusalem to survey the damage. And after 100 years or so of hopelessness, Nehemiah brought the first hope to the Jews. They were now residing in Jerusalem. He's the first one that give any indication, not only that something needed to be done, he was there to do it. And when he brought that hope with a plan, the people said, we can rebuild the wall. They were making progress. But there was opposition that was to come that was inspired by the enemy himself, and that opposition began to oppose them. This opposition, they were among the best. Sanballat and Tobiah made their case. They had the authority. They had the backing, and they had the money to make Nehemiah's life miserable. And if Nehemiah had been in the flesh and following the hand of man, 
I want to propose to you, he wouldn't have made it. He would have failed. But he stayed true to the unction and the spiritual guidance of the Holy Spirit of God upon him. And he just kept building. San Ballot would say, you know, if you just put some little foxes up on that wall you're building, it's going to fall down. That's a pretty big insult, isn't it? He tried to bring discouragement. We need to remember what the desire of the enemy is. Never forget it. Because it, it was the same then as it is today and as it will be. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy you in everything that matters to God in your life. The Bible also says he roars like a lion looking for someone to devour. You would think some would say that Nehemiah gave up his great position as cupbearer of the king of Persia, sacrificed, traveled a thousand miles to Jerusalem to do a job, right? Called by God, directed by God to come and do a job. Common sense ought to say, surely God would remove all the obstacles and all the opposition. Or is that just me that thinks that way? Anybody else think that could be a possibility? But I'll tell you, there's consolation in a fact, and it is this. We don't face opposition because we're doing something wrong. We face opposition because we're doing something right. <laughs> that, that ought to make you almost want to shout. It's not because we're doing something wrong. We're doing something right. I've happened, have, had that happen many times in life and ministry. God give a vision, something that needed to be accomplished. No matter how much you planned and you prepared and, and in the natural you're ready to pull the trigger and the enemy would stand in the way with something that you did not see, you didn't count on, and virtually it come out of nowhere and blindsides you. Been there, done that, and I'm still alive. Amen? Because at that point, you have to decide whether God spoke to you or not. Can't tell you how many times I've closed my eyes and said, Lord, I know you spoke, yes. We took a giant step forward in faith. You're sitting in one of those places today that was a giant step of faith years ago. You, your education wing was a giant step of faith in the early 80s. At 18% interest. And God provided. God provided. We knew he spoke. Sometimes the heavens opens and it makes it possible to accomplish what God has encouraged us to accomplish. And how grateful we are 
that he provides a way through. He does. In our story with Nehemiah, I want to show you a couple of different ways that the spiritual enemy tries to discourage us, okay? Just two points, and I'll promise you I'll be out by noon. Number one, the enemy will try to discourage you from the outside, okay? As Nehemiah was building the wall, the enemy showed up. Verse 1, when Sanballat heard we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. He made fun of them. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Mary, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they once again think they're going to offer sacrifices? I wonder if they'll finish it today. <clears throat> Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah, the, he was at his side, said, <clears throat> what, what they're building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. You see, there's two ways the enemy will attack and oppose you from the outside. <clears throat> Number one, you will face obstacles. You're on your way, you have a plan. Kind of like the lady I read about, she owned a business and said that she, was she had decided that she was going to impart spiritual values and Christian principles to those, all of those who worked in her company. And she said that for a year and a half, she did that. And the result was most of her employees quit. She said it felt like that she was taking two steps forward and three steps back. I don't know about you, but I can identify with that. I've been there. I've done that. When you're doing something for God, you just have to learn to expect there's going to be some obstacles. Sometimes it's more like an obstacle course than it is a glory road. When we start out, we start out on the glory road. I've got to tell you, I've been there and done that. <laughs> but reality brought me to the obstacles. But it was the power of Jesus that led me through them all. And the second thing is you're going to face criticism. Criticism. Rick Warren has pointed out this. Criticism is the cost of influence. As long as you don't influence anybody, nobody's going to say a peep about you. <laughs> I wish I'd have known this 40 years ago. Just telling you the truth. But the greater your influence, he says, the more critics you're going to have. So just know you're going to face criticism. You're starting on a different journey in life, a different path in life. There's going to be those naysayers out there that look at you and say, I don't think they can ever make it. 
but you decide in advance by the help and the grace of God, I'm going to make it. Send ballot and Tobiah. They screamed at the Jewish people that were helping Nehemiah build the wall, and, and they said, you're just feeble, weak Jews. You're never going to get anything done. You are hopeless. You know, that same enemy talks today. I said that same devil talks today, maybe I should say. You know, although you make great money and feel like you're, you have a job that really pays good, but maybe it's too much. It takes so much away from your family time that you don't have time to, and room to enjoy your family. So you decide to take a different job. Less money, so you can enjoy more time with your family. There may be those who criticize you for that. They may not understand why anyone would take less money just because of family. Let me tell you something. Criticism is always going to be a part of the life of those involved in leadership. Whatever you're leading. Because in leadership, you learn that you don't have to please everybody. Parents, let me be very frank with you this morning. It's not your job to please your children. You need to parent them. It's part of the reason for the mess we're in as a nation. Go ahead and send that to them for me. It's not our job to please our children. We've got to parent them. And sometimes good parenting means you know how to use the word no. You know that word well. <laughs> Told Chuck no more than anybody in the church through the years. He still keeps coming back. He still keeps asking. I keep telling. I even got to the place when he wanted a piece of equipment, I'd say no and go buy it. <laughs> Never would give him a yes, I don't think. I said okay a few times. But seriously, understand your job is sometimes to say yes and no, and neither one of those answers are acceptable. That's okay. Now, that doesn't give us a license not to try to please those you know, those you love, and those you trust. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking that. I'm talking about just taking the leadership initiative and know your decisions may not always be the most popular decision that you got to make. <clears throat> when Nehemiah was criticized, he did two things. I'm speaking a lot in twos today. Did you notice? Two things. He took it to God repeatedly. Okay? And he went back to work. He took it to God repeatedly, and he went back to work. We're having a baptism in a little while. This morning, I was thinking of a story I read. The pastor, they just finished the baptism. Baptized a, a, a parent, in this case, 
that a child had prayed for for many, many years. And you know what a happy occasion. You understand how. I love baptisms, don't you? The wonderful, glorious celebration of a new life in Christ. And the pastor said they'd come out of the baptism area and he'd come down the hallway and he, and he saw this young lady and knew that she was connected with the, the ladies and she was crying. But he said, it, it wasn't tears of joy. So he stopped and he said, what's the matter? She just broke down sobbing. And she said, I know this is supposed to be a joyous time. But what if I'd have quit praying for my mother at five years? What if I'd have quit praying for her at the 10-year mark? What if I'd have quit praying for her at the 15-year mark? What if I'd have quit praying for her at the 20-year mark and I wouldn't be able to enjoy this day today? The what if was an awakening to her, but it ought to be an encouragement to us. Pray. Pray repeatedly. Keep on praying. Sometimes it takes years, but it's worth every ounce of effort. Amen? Okay, let's go to the second area, and then we're going to have a baptism. The enemy will oppose you from the inside out. Nehemiah 4.10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah, the strength of our laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Sometimes in the middle of the project, you get bogged down. Okay? That's discouragement from the inside. Your spiritual enemy will try to discourage you from the outside. But if that doesn't work very well, he'll turn around. He'll try to discourage you from the inside as well. The, the lives of Sanballat and Tobai and their friends that were criticizing as they tried repeatedly. And they kept coming at them. You know, the walls have been down for more than 100 years. Stones are no good to use. You're wasting your time. And I've shared with you before that when you're doing something on behalf of God, you will face opposition. And from time to time, all of us get discouraged. We will become overwhelmed. And... Whether we verbalize it or not, there's a pretty good chance that we will either be tempted to say or think, I can't do it any longer. Am I telling you the truth? We've all been there. How do you defeat that kind of discouragement? And criticism. When you feel overwhelmed because you're doing everything you can do with all that's within you. And you get the feeling, I can't do it any longer. The 14th verse in chapter 4. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. 
Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families and your sons and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now, if we were to use a New Testament term, we'd probably say something like, don't be afraid of them because if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, there comes a time that you have to face it head on. But we're better off facing it with the truth of the gospel than we are the words of the flesh. Okay? Romans 8, 35. Who can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Can trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? No, none of these things shall separate us because we are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. Now, here's what we need to establish as a truth in our life. We never have to be afraid of the enemy. We never have to be afraid of the enemy. We never have to be afraid of discouragement or criticism. When you're discouraged and feeling overwhelmed or feeling incapable or unworthy, there are a couple things you can do. (laughs) Number one, remember the Lord your God. Nehemiah said, don't be afraid of them, but remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Now, let's break this down just just a minute. What did they need to remember? They needed to remember their ancestors who were slaves. They needed to remember Moses encountered God in a burning bush that was not consumed. They needed to remember the manna and the water that was miraculously received every single day. They needed to remember when Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Pharaoh said no, and the Lord dealt with Pharaoh. They needed to remember that when they were on their retreat from Egypt, They were surrounded by mountains on one side, the enemy on the other, and then there was the Red Sea. And suddenly the sea opened and they walked across on dry ground. They needed to remember. They needed to remember the last time God reached down, took them out of a difficult situation and reestablished them. We need to remember today. If you're discouraged, you're being abused or ridiculed, then think back to when God provided, when God protected, when God showed you favor. You see, we not only remember who God is, but we fight for a cause. You know, you don't necessarily fight for yourself. You're fighting for a cause, a cause that is bigger than you as an individual. Nehemiah said to everybody, Don't fight for yourselves. Instead, fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and wives and homes. We fight like men and women of God. Get down on our knees and we begin to bombard heaven with our prayer. Declaring the positive results that we see in the spirit. And know that the enemy, he's going to attack, but we're going to be ready. We're not going to stop working. It's what Nehemiah told them. You put a tool in one hand to do the work, and you keep your weapon handy in the other hand to ward off the enemy. See, no matter what, we don't give up or shut up until the project is done. 
whatever you're fighting for today. So many issues that you can take on and fight. Whatever you're fighting for, know that sometimes you have to fight with a tool in one hand and protection in the other. Some are fighting for the kids that we see on Wednesday night in our Wednesday night program. You come here all enthused and ready and you leave feeling like you've been run over by a Mack truck. You're fighting for that program. You're fighting for the lives that are touched and changed miraculously by the hand of the master. The recovery center, y'all are working and fighting and helping lives. That's so important for what God is doing. But here's the fact that we never, ever, we do not surrender and we do not give up. Let's <laughs> be undaunted by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we defeat the enemy, by the words of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Because I'll promise you, God is greater than any of our difficulties. You can defeat discouragement and opposition. It is a part of the journey that you're going to experience, but I will promise you it will not destroy you because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Rick, if you all come, let's worship. The baptismal candidates will meet me right over here. Children's Church will be in in a few moments to share with us and enjoy this time as we celebrate in water baptism with these today. Let's make this a part of joyous worship of what God has accomplished in the lives of individuals. Let's worship. The Lord of creation, the 
forgiven. I do this because he rose. I know no water can change me, but this water is a sign that change has occurred in my heart. My life will never be the same. So now I'm proclaiming it to the world. And just as Jesus was buried, I will be buried. Just as Jesus rose, I will rise. Faith, 
hope, love. None are greater than these. I have faith that Jesus is who he says he is. I have hope in his resurrection and his everlasting power. His endless love has forever changed my life. call a staff mistake. I didn't know that the heater wasn't working. <laughs> the, the staff mistake is Kent shouldn't be here doing it. So. <laughs> so I just want you to know we're all brave today. This is not a sauna. Yeah. It was working yesterday. But it didn't today. So anyway, it's not going to rob from the joy. I'm just not going to keep him in here all night, all day. <laughs> Tom, what a joy to have you as part of the body of Christ. Mm. And to share with you now the time of your recognition of your new life in Christ. Mm. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don's what I call a product of lifestyle evangelism. Yeah, I just started bringing him to church. And he surrendered, and here he is. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. It, just a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it does get your attention, yeah. huh, Blake? <laughs> we will remember it, I yeah. promise. Obedience to the Great Commission. Now baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, Blake. Amen. Well, we had a couple, but we've had a couple of additions at the spur of the moment. That's okay. Amen. You may be next. <laughs> Obedience to the Great Commission. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I can't stand up. <laughs> you got a little bit slick there, huh? <laughs>
It is the Great Commission. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Holy Spirit. What a marvelous testimony to God's saving grace for these young men that have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice with them today. Let's worship.
Six o'clock.